0: This is CliffCentral.com. Download the Cliff Central app. Available now on the Apple App Store and Google Play Store. Is this
1: thing on? You're listening to The Bounce Show. It's live. Well, not this bit, but it's live on CliffCentral.com. Um, it's Cliff Central, blads. <clears throat> Sorry. Scrap that. Delete it. CliffCentral.com. <laughs>
0: happy monday welcome to another episode of the bounce show what an amazing sporting weekend we just had the first official full weekend where there was rugby on the bill now i know we've had six nations and we had sevens earlier in the year but i nothing quite like super rugby and i know we gave it a lot of crap about being too long too complicated too many teams yada 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 what a weekend it was huh even if you're the staunchest, staunchest of critics, the, uh, it was nothing better than just waking up, watching a bit of early morning New Zealand rugby. It's what it's actually really about, isn't it? There's a fast-flowing game, and there's great skills, really exotic names. It was just cool. It was just a cool, cool experience, and it's just the start. It ends, of course, sometime, I don't know, September, October maybe, maybe even November. Who knows? But if it's at the same level as it was this past weekend, bring it all on. There was, of course, the FIFA election as well wow uh no real surprises there i think uh fifa replacing one big fat white bald guy from of swiss origin with another one only difference is this one wasn't quite as fat but hey he's still young he's got plenty of years to load up on corruption the good life and all the other things that go with a fifa president yeah cynical who cares it's fifa you take away one of these guys the next one's going to be pretty similar i bet you what else happened at the weekend? Uh, lots of cricket as well. The Asia Cup's on at the moment. I won't get into it this week because I think we am getting too much overkill because the T20 World Cup is so close now. I mean, the Aussies are actually here right now in SA. So we'll touch on that next week along with the findings of the Asia Cup. But locally, there was the one day international or the one day cup, the momentum one day cup domestically. Horrible result there for the Cobra's. Another big win for the Lions. Jeffrey Toyana going from strength to strength there. And then there was a huge amount of golf. All things we're going to get to just in the moment in the headlines. First, let me tell you about my guest, uh, Wade Pistorius. He is my football guest today. And there's a reason why Wade is coming in. It's because football is at a very interesting time of year right now. We're looking at the English Premier League in more depth as far as what the run-in is for the top two teams. Now, The top two teams, of course, are Leicester and Spurs. They seem to be getting stronger and stronger, and when you think of the lack of distractions as far as FA Cup and Champions League stuff, these two teams could go all the way. But if they do so, who are they going to play and what do they need to do? I'll be chatting about that with Wade, along with a whole bunch of other uh, stuff, local football as well, and even touching on the Confederations Cup and the initial stages of the Champions League here in Africa as well. But let's get into the first clip I've got you for today, and that is Tokyo Sequale. Now, uh, oh, yeah, I should probably just play this clip and then I'll like, get into <laughs> how funny I thought this whole FIFA election thing was. Oh, go. Good morning, Mr. Sehwale, and welcome. What is the significance of this day for yourself, running for FIFA president, and for the institution that will vote such important reforms? The weather is a bit uh, ugly out there, but I think it's a bright day for
2: FIFA. Uh, the significance of today is that uh, we are having an extraordinary Congress. And this Congress is about us repairing the tarnished image, the damage done to the brand of FIFA. Uh, It's about making sure that we elect a leader behind whom the entire FIFA football family will rally, so that we restore uh, the trust as well as the confidence of the public uh, back into FIFA. That includes officials, players, fans, uh, and other people who are stakeholders of this organization. That's what is important about today.
0: It is extraordinary, not ordinary. Thank you very much. I have a great day. Thanks. Oh, speaking like a true politician. Well, Turkey had nothing to say there. And when uh, it came to the actual elections, well, he had a bit more to say because he pulled out which then left the world's media in a frenzy to release the headline, Tokyo Sequoia Pulls Out. Of course, you're a general layman uh, football fan overseas. It was just being called Tokyo Sex Whale. And all the big jokes came out on a very juvenile basis. But of course they would. But anyway, he was talking there as a man who just wants to be part of FIFA. I don't think he really cares about the fact that he won't be a president. It was pretty clear that he would never get the votes because Africa told him to piss off. Now, now Tokyo would never have the pedigree of greasing palms that the other guys do to get in there. So, I don't know, self-promotion, trying to further himself in other fields. Whatever Tokyo's game was here, it wasn't for FIFA presidency. It was, however, for Gianni Infantino. This is the guy that used roughly uh, €500,000 of UEFA funds to tour the globe and make sure he provides like, hope for the future of this organization. Uh, one such place that he went to, of course, was Robin Island with Tokyo. And uh, what, how these things work is you go for an initial round of votes, and then if there's not a unanimous winner there, they go into a second round. And it was neck and neck between him and, how uh, oh, is the guy's name now, Sheikh Salman bin Abrahim al-Khalifa. I, of course, did not read that. That's just committed to memory because it's a catchy name. So it's between these two, really. Prince Ali, I think, was maybe the cleanest of all the options. He was a nice guy. Uh, He had some good ideas. He had some misgivings about the whole FIFA process. Anyway, he was then scrapped. And in the second round of voting, it was Infantino that got the vote. Hooray. Hooray. There was never going to be anyone else but him. Let's be honest. (laughs) It's nice to think that someone else would have, would have got the, got the nod. But I mean, Jerome Champagne, he was in there for, because of his name. I think he got very few votes. Tokyo probably wouldn't got any votes, so his pullout didn't actually change the scoreboard at all. So, who is this Infantino guy? Well, for starters, he's young. Uh, young in, in sporting terms means that he's south of 50. I think he's turning 45, uh, pretty soon. On the other side of the coin, Sepp is about to turn 80. So, they've definitely got the right man as far as, uh, stage of life. Now, Sepp Blatter, there were all kinds of funny kind of, uh, quotes that came out of this, but Sepp Blatter's Gennaro Fantantino, sorry, Infantino is going to carry on the good work of Sepp Blatter. That was one of the most damning quotes ever. If this guy carries anything on from Sepp Blatter, then football remains to be doomed. It really is. (laughs) So, it's interesting to see what could change. You know, these guys look at any election, whether it be sports or whether it be politics, whatever it is. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of promised lies. We're going to get it quite soon here in SA from from the ANC and the rest. There's all these wonderful t- tales of how we're going to do this and how we're going to do that. We're going to make it better for tomorrow. We're going to learn from our mistakes, and we're going to do everything that people want. Then they get elected, and it's back to their old drawing board, basically. So the thing is, if this guy will steal or not, well, ugh, look, I think it's quite easy to be less dodgy than the guys before him. So I'm pretty sure he can keep a relatively clean slate. But it's the outside influences. What's going to happen from there? Who's going to get on top of him? Who's going to get to him in the money dis, money stakes? It's going to be a fascinating, fascinating role this guy now has to play because, well, history's not great. And history repeats itself. I didn't make that up. That's just life. Into other news from the weekend. Uh, let's pull in strange the crickets. Uh, the Lions won by eight wickets over the Cobras. They put them into bat at Newlands. Uh, Cobras are top of the log for Momentum One Day Cup. And how it works is the top of the log team. They qualify for the home final. And then two and three on the log, they sort of have a knockout semi-final match, which then goes on to play the final team. So it was, uh, interesting thing about the Lions for me is that Jeffrey Toriana, as I said, he's, he's a pretty good coach. He's done a hell of a lot with the players that he's had. And, uh, he's developing talent really, really well. Now, when you think cricket and essay, you think transformation. Those, those two go hand in hand because I think of all the sports, it is the most aggressive when it comes to the transformation factor. Uh, we've seen Cricket South Africa put in place numerous steps that mean that white cricketers, they're not exactly being marginalized, but they definitely have fewer opportunities than they do in other sports like rugby. So Jeffrey Torrena is making the most of this. Because if you look at that side, I mean, he's picking a merit team and they're really producing. So if you look at the Cobras, maybe not, not doing as much with their talent. And it's just great to see them actually win this final. They won by eight wickets. Uh, guys like Eddie Lee are becoming stalwarts of the game now. Unfortunately, he limped off the injury. But even that, you've got the new talent and you've got the old talent. Alvira Peterson's five centuries in the tournament. He got another match winning 50 in this final. Along with Stephen Cook, they've got a really good side. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with this team now because if Russell Domingo does fall, okay, now this is something that all cricketers in this country really are looking forward to, uh, Jeffrey's kind of like, he's your man. He's kind of a shoo-in when you think of it. And he was an ex-player as well. So he... I think you'll be able to relate quite well with the players and I think you'll be a great guy in charge. So let's see how that one develops. In football, there wasn't much happening in the PSL locally because top teams were out in Europe. So we're going to touch on this a lot more with Wade in about 10-15 uh, minutes. But basically, you get the African um, Cups to go play in. Okay, So there's the Champions League, preliminary rounds of which are happening right now, and there's the Confederations Cup. Now, this is all done through CAF, the guys who did not want to back Tokyo equality. Anyway, Sundowns, they had that really sort of, I would say, embarrassing loss against Chicken Inn recently. Now, Chicken Inn is not a fast food outlet. It is a football team in Zimbabwe, and they managed to beat Sundowns 1-0. So Sundowns rectified that, thankfully, this last weekend by winning 2-0 at home. So have an aggregate of 2-1, so they go through for the next, next round. Kaiser Chiefs, they were pretty impressive in their first round. They beat Vulcan Club four zero. Now these guys are from the Comores and I think they're still in the Comores because they failed to show up for their return match. Now this is quite interesting about this whole African thing is that you hear teams like Chicken Inn, Vulcan Club but they somehow are relatively competitive. You think, what's the, what's the team the Camaros really going to put together? Well, firstly, they probably couldn't get together a team bus or a plane, but still, very, very interesting. Then the Cape Confederations Cup is like a lower tier of that. Ajax they did all the hard work in going to Angola and beating Sagrada Esperanza 2-0, only to then lose three. Sorry, two. Sorry, they won 2-1. Get my shit together. 2-1, and then Esperanza came here to SA, Athlone, and they won 2-0 over the I- Ajax. So, 3-2 the aggregate there. No such problems for Vitz. They beat Lightstars from the Seychelles, 6-0, 9-0 zero, zero aggregate. Big talk of the football weekend was Louis van Gaal hitting the deck. And uh, if you are on social media, which I'm sure you are, all the memes around Louis van Gaal lying down, they're pretty funny. It was about protesting uh a, pe- well, protesting a dive from an Arsenal player. I've actually got the clip for you, which I'm going to play... uh I was going to use the intro intro Wade. I'll hold into it for a second. Anyway, so that was a big story. But uh, look, I mean, Louis, he'll lose to it in a second when I play the clip. He doesn't really care about this kind of stuff because they won. May three, Arsenal 2. Is this now time for Arsenal to kind of look past Arsene Wenger? He's a great CEO of a business, so to speak. But Arsenal just aren't kicking on enough. They really aren't. And they keep losing crunch matches like this. I think it's nine times they've gone to Old Trafford and haven't got a win, so really really worrying times but uh, Leicester and Spurs these are the two success stories right now in the in that English Premier League Leicester beating Norwich over the weekend 1-0 and Leicester and Spurs beating Swansea 2-1 so we chat to wait in a sec we're going to get more in depth about how these two teams are going to run in because everyone said that they're kind of faltered by now Spurs normally do kind of become a little bit limp around this stage and ultimately finish behind Arsenal but they're top of the log uh, I think Leicester are as much as 9 points now ahead of Man City who are in 4th and that is a six points. You so say Duncan, okay? Well, Duncan's going to correct me. But hey, let's get into that football in a second with uh, with Wade. Right, Six Nations that was uh, over the weekend. Ireland, they defending champs, two-time defending champions, but yet yet to get a win here. There was big talk about uh, Eddie Jones making a big deal about uh, Johnny Sexton's concussions and if it, maybe his parents should look after him more. Because he sustained another head injury against France in the previous round, but they were just calling it whiplash. Whatever it was, Ireland 21, I, sorry, England 21, Ireland 10, England now unbeaten, Ireland still yet to get a victory off the, out of the blocks there. So England are on top. France who were unbeaten, they went down predictably to Wales in Wales, 1910, uh, for Warren Gatlin's team. And in the, in the also runs, Scotland definitely have improved. They definitely are looking a better side, but we all knew this. The only thing is they're not really going to be good enough yet just to beat the, the bigger teams. But they were good enough to beat Italy. Italy 20, Scotland 36. Yeah, that's that Six Nations is going to go down to that whole Wales-England uh, match, which is very, very interesting. I can't wait to see that. In other rugby news, uh, we'll get into Super Rugby towards the end of the show. I've got a big feature there prepared for you, along with stats and who's been doing what. Um But a story that I found quite interesting was John Mitchell just took over of the U.S. Eagles team, right? Now, the Eagles, um in sevens, USA looking pretty good right now. They're playing all the tournaments. They're really competing well against all the big teams. So when John Mitchell basically was told that he'd be too strict for the Stormers, uh he was then cast out into the shadows again of coaching. Now, here's a guy that was mentioned and perhaps becoming the new Buc coach. He was a shoe in for the Stormers job, but his discipline and the fact that he's a little bit too hard on the guys saw him now being thrown out into the wilderness. Well, the USA thought, yeah, we'll pick this guy up. How bad can it be? I mean, he's got a great track record. We're an emerging nation. We need discipline. We need experience. All these kind of things. All of which John has plus cauliflower ears. I mean, the guy is legit. Anyway, he's taking charge of this team. And uh, his team are currently in the America's Rugby Championship. Now, the America's Rugby Championship has all kinds of teams from that part of the world, like Canada, Chile, Uruguay, even a team like Brazil now i didn't really know that brazil played rugby in the 15 man game up until this this point but they beat the usa 24-23 can you imagine the roasting that john gave these these new guys if they didn't know he was a hard ass up until this point i think losing to brazil is about to get <laughs> is about to kind of make you quite familiar with his ways Shame, poor people. Anyway, rugby, tough game, tough game. And the news from the weekend was the golf. There was three big tournaments happening all around the world, starting with the Perth International. Now we all know Louis Oosthuizen is a f- tremendous, tremendous talent. There was a guy who came so close to winning the Masters recently. Well, I say recently, it was a couple of years ago, and Bubba Watson beat him in the playoff. He is a uh, Open champion. He is a Master. He is a major winner. And there's a guy again. Like you look at him and you think there isn't probably a better swing in the game of golf other than maybe Rory McIlroy. But Louis goes all hot and cold. He's had some injuries, but there's also a guy that if he didn't have, didn't have to play golf tomorrow, he wouldn't really cry about it. He's very laid back in a way. He goes about things. And I think that's often mean that he hasn't really kicked on to his true potential. He made the playoff of the Open last year, but still he's been out of the winner's circuit for two years. Anyway, he had a tremendous second and third round at the Perth International, and he won it by one shot of Alexander Levy. And, uh, it's good to see because the Masters is coming up. I think there's about 34 or 35 days, maybe less until the Masters comes to our screens. It's the first uh, major of the year and Louis is definitely in in good form for that now. Locally, the Ive Africa PJ Championships took place. Now, Ive Africa is a golf state in the south of Johannesburg. Uh, Greg Norman design if I'm not mistaken. And cream of the, of the local talents who don't play overseas, we're all here, and Yaku Fonsell, who's been such a solid performer for the last sort of six months, uh, he won that one in a playoff against Dean Burmeister. Dean Burmeister, who is a young up-and-coming talent, prolific guy on the Sunshine Tour, and he's somehow in the top 100 of the world without having any sort of international exposure to the big events. So big talent there. Local golf looking really, really good. Good weekend all around with Louis winning in Perth. But the big one was the Honda Classic. Now, the Honda Classic is one of the sort of big run-in events to the Masters. And uh, stars out of field. Ricky, F- Ricky Fowler made a really, really good go at things after two rounds. Had a 74 in the third, which is an open up the field. And Adam, now with a short putter, Scott. Well, he came through and he won by one. Sergio Garcia, he finished second. That was his, I think, 15th runner-up position now in the US PGA Tour. Uh, well, couldn't happen to a better guy, I guess. He's a bit of a prick, his old Sergio. And uh, I think calm is a real thing in sport, uh, as shown with Sergio and his runner-ups. So that kind of concludes your headlines for the week. Uh, we're going to have a big rugby feature towards the end of the show. But next, we've got a big football feature with Wade Pistorius. But first, we're going to get to Louis van Gaal and the incident of him falling on his ass.
2: And one thing that did surprise everybody was when you went over in front of the fourth official. What was that all about? It's emotion. Uh, I I, I don't uh, let me go uh, too much. Uh, Not uh, every uh, match. Uh, I'm always sitting uh, on my bench, but uh, today uh, my emotion was uh, a little bit too high. So I have apologized to the ref and the linesman and the fourth uh, referee and everything is already solved. I mean, as you say, you don't normally move from the bench, but what was the point you were trying to make? Yeah, it's, it's not interesting anymore. We have won, so... <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, is and I think you might see it a few times. So do you regret it, then? No, uh, uh, never, because it, it's a, a emotion, and I think uh, in the sports, it's good to show your emotion sometimes, not always, you have to control your emotion, but when it is like that... I cannot say. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, it is very wrong. No, I don't think so. But uh, for for the referee and the linesman and the fourth referee, it's not so nice. And that's why I apologise. But not uh, uh, for being uh, emotional. Louis, thank
0: you. He's a bit of a is this Louis? Funny call. I actually like him. He's apart from the fact that he looks like. Uh, Butthead from Beavers and Butthead back in the nineties, I think he's really great for the league. Wade, do you agree with me?
1: Um, is he great for the league? Yeah, I think he is. I think he's been great for a lot of fans of the of the team that supports anybody but United, which them um, uh, top tough of the all season. But yeah, I must admit I've really enjoyed his antics on the touchdown yesterday.
0: Okay, so we've got Wade Pretorius with us today. Wade, you are from SA Soccer Za, and a renowned football journalist. Now, I first met Wade on a golf course and um, I didn't realize he actually knew anything about football, but word is, Wade, you actually know your shit. Back to front, top to bottom.
1: Yeah, well, look, um, that's very nice of you to say that. Um, I know a little bit about the game. Uh, major honours are coming from uh, Super Brew. Um suppose if you can predict a couple of games in a row like that over some seasons, you must know a thing or will about the game. But, okay. yeah, basically a passionate soccer fan that turned into a journalist.
0: Okay, and you're a Man a fan as well?
1: I am, for my
0: sins. All right, well, let's not get into the boring stuff. Um, let's start off with... Uh The reason I want to chat to you today is because the leagues are in a pretty interesting time. If you look locally in the PSL, people saying it's a foregone conclusion with sundowns. And then if you look at the English Premier League, these are two real big things we're focusing on right now, is that it's now a two-horse race. Essentially, if you look at the fact that Spurs and Leicester got themselves in a strong position, they haven't got the toughest run in. They also haven't got the big distractions like a team like Arsenal or Man City would have with other cup competitions. So, um, let's start with the local tournament. Let's start with the PSL. Now, I just want to get into it. What is it that makes these teams, you, you kind of, as a fan, okay, as a neutral fan, they sort of lack consistency. So, you know, one, one year, like, Pirates will be great and then they'll kind of fall away. One year, Sundowns will be in the mix, but then lose the plot. And then same with Chiefs, you know, they were so dominant in the last couple of years, but now they're sort of just, just out of the cusp of being title contenders again. Would you say it's an issue of consistency or is it just a very competitive league?
1: Um, yeah, I'd probably I'd agree with you. It's probably a lot to do with consistency um, in terms of the squads. You know, there's a lot of chopping and changing. Uh, Chiefs were basically torn apart at the end of last season after their great their great double run. Uh, they lost their coach. They lost a lot. Of-
0: oh, shit. Sorry, hang on a second. Duncan, I seem to have lost Wade. Wade, hold on. No no, I've I've lost him on the on the desk. Ah, <laughs> oh, never a dull moment. Wait, Duncan, is he back? Yeah, I know, but I've lost the channel. I mean this is like this is a, Yeah, Duncan, you come in here, you make everything okay. Sorry, wait. Cool. Yep. Sorry, I'm um, wait, wait, look, this always would be my fault. Uh we lost the channel on the mixer. Oh,
1: okay, cool.
0: Okay, sorry. You were saying with squads and chopping and changing of talent. Yeah.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, the so Chiefs, is, I mean, they made numerous changes last year. They had to change their coach back to the left, um, which is a huge blow uh, for consistency-wise. And I think um, it sort of explains maybe why Man and the Sunlands are doing so well this year. They've got a great squad. They didn't do that much business in the transfer market. And and Mussolini's been there for a couple of years now, and maybe that's why they're reaping the rewards, and, and they look to be the clear frontrunners this season.
0: Yeah, I guess with the end of last season you know, and there were some wranglings of Kune not knowing if he was going to be in the team, if he wasn't, should he negotiate, shouldn't he? It seemed like um, loyalty wasn't the big thing for Chiefs there and uh, you heard various stories about the fact that people are just mismanaging it. Um, Someone like Pirates is a similar kind of thing to Chiefs but too turbulent for them or is it just luck, luck of the draw there with players? I think well,
1: with Pirates this season they struggles. I think their the participation in the CAF Confederation Cup which is uh, Africa's equivalent to the Europa League. Um that was really hectic. They traveled over ninety two thousand Ks. They didn't have a preseason at all. Wow. Um uh, they they sort of hired Eric Tinkler on a on an interim basis, he's now still the head coach. Um, fans are not you know, they're still making up their minds with them. Um I but I think a lot of their season struggles have been to do with um to do with that CAF campaign, you know, going to the final uh, the psychology effects of losing it after all that travel, after, you know, they had a really good chance. Um, I think that was a big thing this season. But also, especially with Chiefs and Pirates, they struggle, I think, a lot to do with the pressure from the fans. I mean, it's immense. The the build-up uh, to every Soweto derby takes in the stage of everything else, mm-hmm. and it, it really does play a part on, on them. And like, also... Almost like an adrenaline-like low after after every game that they play.
0: Yeah, I can imagine. Like it's you know, black aces didn't have to worry about like that at all. And they're doing all right. Same with Vitz. Um and then okay, then so look towards sundowns for this year. Now um in the morning show on here on Cliff Central we've got quite a quite an adamant football fan that phones him from time to time, and he believes that sundowns are still going to trip up because of their, their African continent, continental um, uh, responsibilities in the next few weeks to months. Is that something that could be a worry, or do you think their squad will be strong enough to carry through?
1: Look, yeah, I think their squad is, is seriously, seriously good. I, I reckon it's the best one probably they've ever had. Um, they've got you know their, their front three that everyone sort of labelled CBD, uh, Castro, Biliat and Dolly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they've, they've got strength and depth. They've had a couple of keeper changes that hasn't worried them with injuries and things like that. I think even if they do slip up, with, uh, which will be difficult, I don't think anybody else is going to be able to catch them because fits are quite some way behind and they've also slipped up uh, here and there. And, and they've also just been dealt with major injuries with uh, youngster Pakamani Mishlami being out injured. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I don't see even if it, I mean even if Sundowns slip up, I think they're going to have far too much for for anyone else this year.
0: Okay, well, Wade, now this is where you kind of uh, schooled me a little bit on how these things work. So, how is it that a team gets into the Champions League? Is it very much like the ones in Europe? So, if you finish top two of the league or top three, or, or what's the what's what's the thing that means a team stays in the in the Champions League or has to go through these preliminary rounds? Um, so for us, I. Uh,
1: um, yeah, the top two sides in the finish in the league, they get their spot in the Champions League. The next, well, the next one uh, gets a spot in the Confederation Cup, and so does the winner of the of the Nedbank Cup. Uh, Sundowns won it. Right. So that's why I, Kate with the runners-up, they got into the Confed Cup. Um, Africa, the competition's a little bit interesting because, because of um, Orlando Pirates' success. They, there's a thing called a coefficient, and it works out like... Uh, strength in the leagues and results and how strong the league is determines the number of spots. So their, their contract Cup actually booked two extra spots for um, for South African teams for the 2016 competition. So that was actually a huge boost that they went so far and they did um, uh, Kaiser Chiefs and, and Kaiser did a, a bit, I mean, well, Sundown's a big favor.
0: Wow. Okay, well, I never would have got that. So, yeah, we got, um, yeah, over the weekend, it was nice to see Sundowns did actually get it over a Chicken in finally and uh, yeah. there's some really weird teams though hey these preliminary rounds they make for interesting reading I often go onto that um, MTN football it's a really great site for African African football and the, like I was just going through the names today I was thinking like how on earth do these guys actually source teams like you don't even think these people have like 100 people population wise let alone a competitive 11 for every Saturday <laughs>
1: yeah I, I mean it's, it's crazy I don't know if you if you followed what happened with Chiefs yesterday they were playing a team from the Camores yeah And um, the guys failed to get onto their flight in time, something with visas and things like that, even though the the Sixers have been planned well in advance. Sure. A bit amateurish. Um, And then the Chiefs very nicely delayed the game a day. Then after that, they delayed it by seven or five hours or so. And eventually this team landed in Joburg and failed to get on their flight to Durban. And Chiefs got a walkover. And now (laughs) Chiefs went into the next round. I mean... Wow. You want to say, yeah, I mean, that that doesn't happen anywhere else, really, that you know of any big league or continental competitions anywhere else in the world.
0: No, exactly. Wow, being a team manager in that one's going to be a tough Monday morning in the office. Right, well, let's... <laughs> yeah, well... Let's, let's move on to the English Premier League. Uh, look, La Liga also this year, I think, um, Barcelona are just head and shoulders. They, they just seem to have clicked on all the right sort of moments. Whereas Rail, you know, they've had, they've had their injuries and, um, well, Ronaldo doesn't think that up to scratch. And I agree with him. They must try to get to his level. <laughs> but in the English Premier League, we look at Leicester, we look at Spurs. Um, he's currently the top two teams in the league. Arsenal, they, seem to be coming the new Spurs. Um, maybe Champions League is like really is the pinnacle that they could ever get to because they're just getting so limp and it's so frustrating to see them going to Old Trafford. I mean, and your guys can pick a team that you would never say is the best team, but still another loss. I think, was that, like nine trips to Old Trafford now without a win? Yeah, no, I,
1: I don't know if it's a mental block or what because, I mean, th- that loss yesterday pretty much, I would say, cost the League. Um yeah. I don't know if they can... I mean, the gap's quite big. They've still got a few tricky games here and there. Um, The big thing with this league now, with uh, Leicester and Spurs, is that both have pretty decent run-ins. Leicester, if you look at them as the league leaders, the next really game where they might lose, or should lose as league leaders, is only with three games to go. And I mean, if they pick up a, a lot of points there. I mean... They could. Uh, they play Everton, United, and Chelsea. They last three games. It's yeah. really difficult. Well, let me just. Let me,
0: they yeah, could be. Yeah, I mean, like just to your to your point, right? I mean, it's spot on. if you look at their running from here, they've got West Brom at home, West. Sorry, Watford away, Newcastle home, Crystal Palace away, Southampton home, Sunderland away, West Ham home, Swansea home, and then you get to as you said the the three tougher ends. But I mean, they can kind of get it done in that stage. They can definitely um look I I think it's a foregone conclusion they're definitely going to be in Europe they're definitely top four no doubt about that I can't see even Arsenal eclipsing here and it's quite a big gap between Man Man City Spurs have a similar kind of run um slightly more difficult and they've got uh, West Ham away Arsenal at home Aston Villa away Bournemouth at home Liverpool away Man United at home okay so it's a little bit more difficult uh stoke away west brom home chelsea away sunday sorry southampton home and newcastle home so spurs are really got up against just chasing them down and you think leicester again like everyone was saying they're going to falter they haven't got the players like southampton was so good last season to get to a certain point and then they fell away but what is different about this leicester team though i mean no one can really give a straight answer because you can talk about their strikers and you can talk about everything else but this is a really good effort. It really is just nothing short of spectacular.
1: Yeah, I know. It is it is spectacular and even as United fan I really want Leicester to go and win this thing. I mean it's a it is a fairy tale story. I mean, everyone knows this, the facts about they were bottom of the log at Christmas last year and this by this, you know, same stage this season and on top of the log. And like you say, everyone thought, you know, they're gonna stumble, they're gonna fall, but they they just carried on going. And um, an interesting part is the manager, Kari Renier. I mean, he is actually responsible for so much of the groundwork at Chelsea. and The number of the players that he signed, he made John Terry captain, he brought Didier Drogba to the club, all of that, and then he was sacked after the first year in the Abramovich era. And so, you know, he's come back. He is a really good manager. He has had his ups and downs everywhere else. But a good manager, a good squad, and then two guys who could probably walk into any team bar Barcelona right now in Marez and Vardy. Um, you know, that makes that's a recipe for success. And obviously, the, the underdog story. I mean, I think this might even be sections of away fans when they play that wouldn't mind Leicester just having the win and seeing if they can carry on.
0: Yeah, it, it does make those fickle supporters' lives terrible, though. I mean, they've gone from Chelsea to Man City. They might have to go to, Austin, sorry, to Leicester this time around. I mean, at least they're all <laughs> staying stay blue, but it's a lot of shirts in the wardrobe. Yeah, yeah, it's,
1: it's all part and parcel of being a plastic fan. You
0: know? <laughs> exactly. You gotta have a disposable income, especially yeah. around May every year. But now going forward here, let's just say, let's just say that they win it. Um, just looking at those run-ins, looking at the fact they've got this far, there's like character, great manager, as you say. What do you reckon will happen with the team going next year? Is it, is someone like Vardy going to be snapped up? I mean, are Real Madrid just going to throw that sort of fuck you money around that they normally do just to sign someone for a headline? Yeah.
1: I mean, that's what they do. Uh, there's, there's very few clubs that could now, especially with the new uh, TV deal coming in. There's very few clubs that can actually afford Morris and Body. Body has extended his deal, but I'm pretty sure there'll be a release uh, clause in that. And once uh, one of these big clubs, maybe even Chelsea, um, find out about what that, that amount is, you know, they'll just put in a bid and Body will be off. Um, there's a few other couple of players that might stick around, but I don't know. I kind of have this fear that they might get picked apart and uh Mahrez will be off, um, Vardy off, and Gola Kante might go, Kasper Schmeichel the goalkeeper. Yeah, so I, I feel for them um, this season. Although, yeah, you know what I mean? They, they stuck around through the January window because they wanted to see how far they could go. Yeah, sure. I, I don't see lightning striking twice and then ever defending their time.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like they'll they'll do a bit better than Blackburn in the early '90s, but exactly as you say, it takes a lot to get two in a row. I mean, the big teams can't even do it. Um yeah. One of the one of the funny things I've, I love from the season is um there was a stat about the last time Liverpool won a league, sorry, won the league title. I think uh uh Schmeichel's son wasn't even born, which who's yeah. Leicester's keeper now. There's also yeah. the, there's also the pictures of Arnold Schwarzenegger where he looked like the last time Arsenal, oh, sorry, Liverpool won the league, and he's still a bodybuilder. <laughs> so,
1: yeah, no, no, it's, it's crazy. The means that have been uh, generated at Liverpool's expense. You know, the thing of beauty, especially in the United States.
0: Yeah, and then it didn't get any easier this weekend with them of the the one t- chance of a title for the year, a Capital One Cup. Man City did them over in penalties. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, that was quite a good game to watch from a neutrals' perspective because there were, there were a lot of shots, okay, barring some of the finishing was woeful. But, yeah, maybe Jurgen Klopp uh, needs a little bit more time, a little bit more money to build the start that he wants. You know, in fairness to him, he inherited a pretty average team. Yeah, um, it, and then obviously and got pieces, all yeah. his strikers are basically made of glass. And they just break down every time. So, yeah, it's not easy for him. And uh, it certainly can't be easy being a Liverpool
0: fan. Yeah, especially like it's a guy like that. You, you, no matter who you are, you know, no matter you're a rock solid kind of guy or you're eccentric like Klopp, you need some sort of foundation. I mean, it goes with all sports. You can't just have these guys come together. I mean, every now and again, like they scored six the other day and like, yeah, they'll, they'll make something happen but it's, it's a long, long road to go. Wait, before we let you go, uh, just quickly touching on the Champions League. It's it's difficult to kind of look past Barcelona as the early favourites. Who do you reckon is going to be the big sort of contender there against them, realistically speaking?
1: Yeah, I would have to go with, with Bayern. Um, it's Guardiola's uh, one last chance to win the Champions League with Bayern. He's been knocked out by Spanish teams every time. He needs to win because otherwise, you know, his time at Bayern hasn't been actually that great. Winning the league with Bayern is easy. Oh, but, it's, like know, the then, yeah. it's like us turning the microphone
0: now. It's like me taking your call today. That's like winning the league with Bayern, the Bundesliga. <laughs> yeah,
1: that's exactly like that. Yeah, so uh, Bayern, I don't know, maybe PSG could surprise. They've got quite a good side guys in form. But, yeah, I don't know, looking past Barcelona is quite difficult to do at this stage.
0: Do you reckon the money's ever going to set into something great with PSG, though?
1: Yeah, look, they, they, well, actually did lose on the weekend. Um, they first lost in like a million games in the league, in league one. Um, I think it could that yeah. they've got some really good players. They've got a lot of good French players. Uh, their midfield is solid. Um, De Maria is a different, uh, person in France than he was in England. Um, yeah, I think they could one or two more signings. They've got, you know, the Brazilian center back. So yeah, I think, I think they could just, uh, they could do something in the next couple of seasons, one or two more signings.
0: Cool. Well Wade, do we have to um yeah, i have to stop you there. I mean I I think I already talked your horse, but yeah, your insights have been fantastic, man. Where can people find more of you as far as getting more of your football insights as these the football season does hot up?
1: Yeah, well, uh, very busy over at F and uh yeah, I tweet probably far more than I should on my uh, at Wade Victorious on
0: Twitter. Okay, so that's at W-A-D-E-P-R-E-T-O-R-I-U-S. Wade's also a passionate Absolutely. golf fan. Man, I'm still jealous about that trip you had to Abu Dhabi.
1: <laughs> you should be. It was amazing.
0: And is Ricky Fowler really short? He is, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's
1: pretty short, but not bad. Not he still hits the ball a mile,
0: though. Yeah, he does. He times it so well. Wade, thanks so much yeah. for joining us today. It's been a really great chatting to you.
1: Cool, yeah. Nice chatting to you.
0: Okay, so we've got uh, football taken care of, cricket, of course, from next week. Wow, we've got so much cricket. The World T20 is taking place in India, and we've got the Aussies here from this week. So if you catch me on the morning show here on Cliff Central and go out on the Gareth Cliff Show, every Monday to Friday, six, uh, kind of like 6.30ish South African time, I'll be giving you all the previews and all the information you need to know. But we now got to the stage where we need to talk... Rugby.
2: You're listening to The Bounce Show with Byron Kopinski.
1: I'm Hugh Bladen, and it's on CliveCentral.com. Um, It's Cliff Central, Blades, and it's Ben Kopinski. Well, why didn't you tell me?
2: Ben Kopinski on CliveCentral.com. Release two. Meter or two from the line. Zaninger, their numbers to Ben.
1: Got to get it out, there, out wide. Absolutely no problem. Try time for William Smallsmith. Just the discipline.
0: awarded right. the trial. try. Gonna... I'd like to review the foul play, please. Try scored. Okay, we are reviewing foul it. play. It's five orange. Potentially diving on a player.
1: Uh, Lavanini has been looking for it the whole time.
2: Just the discipline from the Jaguars is across the two, two angles here. coming up. Already the man was over the try line. Look at this. Leads with his knees on the
1: back. Uh, oh, my goodness. He's gone. I think he's also gone.
2: That
0: is, oh, that's, that's, that's ridiculous. That's right. ridiculous. No need for that. man is
1: already over the try line. Oh, cheap
0: shots. Yeah, so not
1: Can I tell you what i am seeing? So it's, it's clearly the wrong thing. He's actually timed it very poorly and actually missed the player. It is, however, a foul play. So I'm going to start on the halfway. Send him off, the try man. Send him off.
0: So the Juggie, what is? They started their Super Rugby campaign, and they kind of got to know what a yellow card is. They lost two guys in the space of a minute. They were down to 13 men. And the clip I just played you now, what a pivotal stage in the match that was because you can't just lead with a knee late after it. I mean, it was just so painfully obvious that Stuart Berry should have gone to the pocket one more time. And then they would have had 12 people. And then I think the Cheetahs would have definitely got enough points. Unfortunately, not to be. But hey, this is, uh, Super Rugby. All things happening. So let's get a little recap of what went down from this final weekend. Every Monday, or if you go onto the bounce of CO.ZA, or even maybe, maybe Sunday afternoon if i fitting adventurous, go onto the bounce of CO.ZA and you'll get a full recap of the round of Super Rugby. Now, there's a lot of games, and you might not be able to watch all of them. In fact, I know you won't watch all of them because if you do, well, you're either a professional rugby writer or you just literally have no responsibilities in life whatsoever. I can kind of admire you in both ways, I sense. Uh, but either way, you're going to spend a lot of time on the couch. So many teams. There's 18 teams. So many games every single weekend. And, uh, this one, wow, it was a really, really great start. Starting with the Blues versus the Highlanders. Now, initially going into this, you think the Highlanders would win. Defending champs with a backline, you just, you just want to read the names over and over, they're just so impressive. But they took on the Blues. Now the Blues have been up and down. Remember back in the 90s, they were so good. Now, if you are, if that was too soon for you, I do apologize. I am 34. The 90s, the Blues were amazing. They had, uh, Jordi they had John Lomu, they had, um, wow, such a star-studded team. They would just run over everybody and score a bonus point every single game in the process. But that all changed in the modern era. Uh, a couple of comings and goings of teams, uh, of key players, coaches, and all that kind of stuff. But anyway, sorry. It looks like they've got something decent again now. Now, there's a reason for this. Tanu Mago, okay, all-black legend, uh, backline wizard. He's been around the world. He's done so many different things. Really incredible player. And I think he's got the right mix of players for what he wants to do. Kind of like Johan Akiman with the Lions in the last few years. He got together a good bunch of guys, inexperienced guys, but they can all sort of play the same song sheet. And uh, they beat the Highlanders. 33-31. What an amazing start that is. They didn't get the bonus points because, as you know nowadays, you need to get three tries more than the other team. They scored, I think, three tries. Highlanders four. But you need to have a gap, which makes these games a lot more competitive to right to the end. Just looking at the stats, uh, the Blues, they had the most penalty goals, so they're definitely kicking their points. They had the most carries, which means the ball in hand is the key for their success. line out stolen. They were number four there. Defenders beaten. They were the fifth-best team in that Unfortunately, penalties conceded. They seem to do quite a lot of that. Um, no, right, sorry, I lied. Least penalties, the 18th. So that was the least penalties conceded. So good discipline as well. Good things for the Blues. Highlanders on the hand, well, they made the most tackles over the weekend. They were fifth in offloads as well, but fifth in missed tackles, which just goes to show that the stats are getting about the Blues, how telling they were, because when a team has the most, second most carries, you're going to be tackling a hell of a lot of times. Uh, Highlanders, in response, didn't get as many running meters. Uh They were actually the second worst team on the weekend for meters gained on the run. That then took us to the Brumbies versus the Hurricanes. Hurricanes were a huge team last year. Really, really special in that they just made it to the final and were shoe-ins for the trophy. They really were. Highlanders put pay to that, unfortunately. Anyway, same kind of team coming into it. They got absolutely hammered by the Brumbies. Hammered, hammered, hammered. Seven tries. 50-point thrashing there, 52-10 the Brumbies won that one in the end. Brumbies naturally got number one in tries. They were number four in clean breaks and number five in turnovers won. So they were just all over these guys like a rash. Hurricanes, on the other hand, most handling errors of any team the whole weekend. A lowly 16 when it comes to clean breaks and kicks from hand, well, 17. So they didn't quite have to do with the ball when they had it. You know, as much as the running game is the way forward and is the light in rugby, Territory is also a huge thing, so they kicked the second least out of all the teams. Just never got into that match, territorially, or opposition, and definitely on the score sheet. Which then got us to our game from the top of the piece here. Cheetahs versus the Jaguars. I know it's the Jaguars, but it's just much nicer to say Jaguars. Two yellow cards early on, four tries from the Cheetahs. It was all going so well for the home team, despite the fact that the other team was wearing more orange. But they let it all slip, and the characteristic Cheetahs' flaws came back to haunt them. They were number one in missed tackles. Number one in missed tackles is kind of what the cheaters, is the downfall year in, year out. They were number one in meters run, though. Number one in clean breaks. And number two in defenders beaten from the weekend. But it all counts for nothing if you can't make your tackles. They were also third in handling areas, which just goes to show. That is just cheaters rugby through and through. They throw it around. They're always trying to make plays. But not good enough. Jaguars, well, they're number one defenders beaten. They just ran those cheaters ragged once they had uh, 15 players in the field and they are an exciting side. If these guys can just show up the discipline and make sure they do well in the set, set pieces. They were surprisingly quite weak in the scrum. I was expecting a whole bunch more from that. But, you know, it's a team that's going to grow. They were number two in missed tackles, which isn't a good thing. Again, you've got to show your way up in this tournament. But number two in clean breaks and number three in turnovers won. They're a tenacious bunch and such a great addition to this tournament. They need, they've got a long way to go because if they're only beating the cheaters by one, then uh, they're going to really battle against the strong New Zealand teams. On to Saturday's fixtures, the Sunwolves, the debutant Japanese Sunwolves. They got to a bit of a slow start, and the Lions really capitalized on that, eventually going down 13-26-2. What I would say is SA's best chance in this competition. Here's a unit that's really, really worked hard together. They've got maybe not the great depth in the squad as a team like the Stormers or the Sharks would have, or maybe the Bulls. But they definitely are a good side, and uh they got a bonus point win first up. Really good for the Lions. They were number two this weekend of teams' meters run. They were the fifth-best team in carries, fifth-most tackles by any other team, fifth-most passes, which means they definitely were looking to always keep the ball in hand and do wonders. And they were the third least team to kick from hand. So possession name of the game here. And again, the Sunwolves are weaker opposition, so they clearly wanted to stretch them and score points like that. Sunwolves, well, they weren't completely crap, were they? They were actually very competitive. If you look at the stats in this one, 50-50 in a lot of the sort of possessions, uh, territory, and general contests. Uh... Second most penalties conceded, however, so they, you know, penalties conceding. It's not just a discipline thing. Sometimes it's just a fitness thing. Can't keep up with a play. Maybe that is the case for them. They did keep the ball and handle it. They passed three. They were the third highest team when it comes to passes. Fourth in the in the uh, turnovers one. So they were definitely competing every breakdown. They also kicked the least. Now this goes to show that maybe a bit of experience, a couple of wise heads here and there. Uh, they can kick the ball a bit more because you need to get territory. It's a key thing. And then they were just terrible in their own lineouts. So they finished 18th out of there. Crusaders-Chiefs, my match of the weekend by Shaw. Oh, wow, what a great game this was. Chiefs are always a good side. Crusaders, always notorious slow starters. And it was a really great game from the start. Um sure, Where to start with this? It just goes to show that when a team is really good and they have a passion and a desire to run the ball, they'll always come out smelling like roses. This is the first game of the, the the competition for them, right? But the skill level was just something out of this world. It's something that I think a lot of other teams will never ever create, even in the last week of the tournament or when they're at their absolute best. The interplay, the running, it was just beautiful to watch. It really was. Chiefs coming out there, 27-21 victors. You always felt with the Chiefs, even though the Crusaders were being competitive, you always felt the Chiefs had an extra gear. And that's what they had. They had this guy, McKenzie, this new fullback. He, What, what a revelation he is. He just broke th- he broke through into space. Um, pretty handy from the cooking tea and just so super tough in defense. Chiefs were the number one offloads of the weekend. Number three in carries. Number four in passes. Number four in meters gained. And they made the least amount of tackles. So they just bossed the possession and they bossed the Crusaders who kind of really toiled to be so close on the, on the, on the um, scoreboard at the end. But they're the third most kicks from hand. Now the Crusaders are a team that does play a more technically strong game, but they kick the third most of all the teams. They're number three in clean breaks, which means they can balance their attack. But 17 penalties, con- 17 penalty conceders show discipline is still there. It's just that they were the worst team with carries. So they weren't doing enough with ball in hand. Onto the Waratahs versus the Reds now. This one didn't show you as too much. The Reds on a great side. You know, they did win it a few years ago, but they lost their coach. They lost their kind of charismatic players. And they've been going backwards ever since. They did pass the ball the most. They carried the ball the most. But they also had the third amount of missed tackles, third highest missed tackles. Offloads, they were the third worst team in offloads as well. So pretty much a blunt force, really. Waratahs, well, discipline, not a great thing for them at the moment. They had the most penalties. They were pretty good turnovers, though. Tackles, they made the most. And defenders, they were third highest in beating them. 30 points to 10. Bonus point win there for the Waratahs. On to the Force Rebels. This game was probably a game you didn't watch. Uh, never a really great uh, contest between these two teams. Very kind of... Um, very close contest, kinda of like you have with the Stormers Bulls. There's not a lot in the very two evenly matched teams. And they kinda of cancel each other out rather than enhance each other's play like the Chiefs and the Crusaders. So, Force losing that one at home. Rebels coming good at the death. 25-19 that one. Uh, lineouts, Force were top of the pops with that one. Second in passing. Second in the handling areas, unfortunately though. And they're also the worst team when it came to turnovers one. Rebels, they kicked the most. They definitely had a game plan against the Force, and they kicked the ball more than any other team this weekend. But they were also second in offloads, so here's a team with a bit of talent. Turnovers won, they were also second best with that, but they were a lowly 13th when it came to clean line breaks. The final two matches of the weekend were the SA games, played here in SA, and uh, Kings, well, sure. They, well, where do you go with a team that can't pair some players? I think the writing's on the wall for this one, they've got nowhere to go in this tournament. They're going to just be playing week in week out, suffering loss after loss. And as I said on Twitter over the weekend, if you down your beer every time you watch a Kings game and you hear the words floodgates, you're going to be hammered throughout the season. The Sharks open up the floodgates there with a bonus point win, 43-8. And they got to run their entire team. Such was the contest they were having. It was like a warm-up match for them. Just warming up, getting ready for the bigger ones ahead. Sharks, they scored the second most tries behind the Brumbies this weekend. But they're conceded the third most penalties now it's a worry when you're conceding this many penalties against a team that is not threatening you they were fourth best for defenders beaten but they were a bit slack on the turnovers only the 16th best team in turnovers kings well they won their lineouts and that was pretty much where it went from there they had the fourth fourth worst record of missing tackles they were the worst team in the whole tournament with offloads passes and meters run which then wraps us up with Stormers versus the Bulls. This was a game that everyone had thought would be really, really tight. And it was. Six down at half time to the home team. And nothing really exciting there. Robbie Fleck was talking about how he wants his players to play without fear. But, uh, this wasn't the case in the first half. Very sort of tetchy. Kick here, kick there. Try and make a break here and there. It was nothing really great. But then second half. Wow. The Stormers. They kicked the ball second from hand second most from hand they made the fourth most tackles but there were 17 clean line breaks so we all know this backline has something really special to give can robert dupree jr do enough though this is the big question with the stormers sure they got the bonus point win which is a huge start to your tournament getting a bonus point it's like gold in this tournament because of the new rules and the stormers did it so they had a great start but can the fly half issue come back to haunt them or not this is the big issue for robbie fleck now because he's got star players he's got a good squad i think he's got the right mentality where these guys are in their careers or what they need to do but that fly off channel is going to be so crucial it really really is yeah big weekend and i am all talked out as we are now into the end of the show if you miss anything live catch the podcast on the bounce of seo.za or alternatively interview there is a bounce page there you can catch all the shows for me I suggest you also follow me on Twitter at followthebounce and I've got a special treat for you from today on The Bounce of Steelers today. My blog it is the Cricket Oscars. Big time. Obviously, everyone's talking about Leonardo DiCaprio and the actual Oscars, but screw those. The Cricket Oscars are far more entertaining. So go on to The Bounce of today right now, read up on the Cricket Oscars, and I will catch you here again. This time next week, I'll have a few more guests. I just need to consolidate a few things today. Uh, the guys from Conker Sport, they'll be joining us again in in April, but it's a big month of rugby championship, sorry, super rugby and of course, uh, world T20. So look for a lot more cricketing guests, a lot more rugby guests and pretty much much the same all between the two. If you have anything you want to add to the show, anything you want to question, query, or just you want to chat, you can also email me, ben at thebounce.co.za. Duncan, out of 10, we're good. Good show. Nine. Wow. Nine and a half. Duncan's giving me the thumbs up. I hope you do too. Anyway, chat next week. This is CliffCentral.com